Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Welcome back, moms. We are in this series on doubt. Remember, I talked to you in the first session about what doubt is and why we need to be aware of it and what are some primary things that people generally doubt about. We talked about various people last time, Adam and Eve, Abraham, Jacob, right? And that we talked about their moments of doubt. We even looked at John the Baptist and his moment. And so today I want to talk about three people from the Bible, two unnamed women, and one of my most favorite characters, one of the disciples in the New Testament, and their moment of doubt. And I want to proclaim to you today that there is real danger associated with doubt. This is not something to play around with. This is not something to ignore or deny or make little of. This is serious stuff. And we're going to look at these three stories today, the lives of these people, because these stories are included in the biblical narrative for a reason, for a reason. And they are to admonish us and challenge us and grow us. So I believe we can face our moments of doubt well and better. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. 
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. These three examples today are things that I think we can clearly relate to. All of these things are things that we can see in our world today. And perhaps one of these three things you've already faced, right? I will tell you, honestly, I have wrestled through some serious doubt in a variety of different circumstances, expectations that have just been shattered, circumstances that I really never dreamed I would be in, never would have chosen, did not want, unemployment, a house fire, all uh, three moves in three years, and other circumstances that will go unmentioned specifically. But you know what I know. We all face moments in our lives when we're just like, no, 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 oh, no, 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 please no, right? And we're faced with what do we believe? Who is God? Is he present? Is he faithful? Does he love me? Does he know? Can he do anything about it? And is he worthy of my allegiance and my worship? That's some of the undergirding of these moments that we face. And again, like I said last time, I believe that they can be opportunities for substantial growth. Growth in our dependency on God, our conviction, our confidence that we can stand, and so that we can tell our story and and roll it forward and encourage others that come behind us, our children, our husbands, our friends, our neighbors. That's what the community of God is all about, that we can encourage one another with the encouragement we've received, right? So let's talk about these three people today. I want to look at Job's wife, at Lot's wife, and at Peter in the New Testament. So the danger I see in these three stories, when we look at Job's wife, we see a woman who is standing over nine fresh graves. I want you to think for just a moment about the worst day you've ever had. I mean, the worst day ever. And I want you to multiply that times, I don't know, 10, 100, 1,000, and that was Job's day. I really believe one of the reasons that we often don't even talk about when we talk about Job is he gets the worst day ever. Right. So anytime and, and I've known people have had really bad days, far bad days than I can ever say that I've ever had. Right. People have been through some really bad things. And maybe you're one of those people, a terrible diagnosis, a horrible tragedy, a terrible um, accident. Right. People have bad days. But I mean, let Job sit on you for a minute. Not the comparisons are, are the name of the game here, but. I do think it's valuable to note, we're talking about he lost all nine of his children, all of his possessions, his entire reputation shot in one day. In one day, all gone, all gone. And let this sit on you for just a minute. You go back and read the account of Job. It says that God called Satan's attention to Job. Have you considered my servant Job, God said to Satan. And Satan's basically well, like, I mean, good grief, he's got it made. Of course he worships you. He's got nine kids, they get together, they get along. All those camels, all those sheep. I mean, seriously? I mean, he's, of course he worships you. And God saw to Job's heart, and he was like, yeah, no, it's not about any of those things. 
Job doesn't worship me based on any of those things. God saw Job's heart. And basically, he says, you know what? You could take all those away, and he would still worship me. And Satan's like, game on. And he leaves the presence of the Almighty, and he, Satan, takes all of those things away with God's permission and with one provision that the enemy, Satan, not touch Job personally. So he does. It's all gone. It's all gone. And what does Job do? He falls down after all of the succession of reports of everything is gone. All of these servants come. I'm the only one. It's all gone. I'm the only one who escaped. It's all gone. They're all dead. It's gone. Job falls down and says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the face of complete and utter tragedy and loss and pain, Job worships God. Wow. I have to confess that has not historically been my initial response to tragedy. Oh, that it would be. That my initial response would be, okay, you are on the throne. Yikes. I don't want to be here, but you are on the throne. And I will still praise you. That's the example that we get from the life of Job. So Job continues to praise God and Satan goes back in and asks for permission to touch him. Satan's not satisfied. He's like, oh, you know what? He's still praising you because he's still comfortable. I didn't get him. And God goes, okay, just don't take his life. So Satan has permission from God to touch Job physically. And he gives Job boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. I've had a couple of kids who've had boils. I actually lanced one of them once upon a time, and that's pretty nasty business. They're incredibly painful and gross and disgusting. And it says that Job was covered with them, right? Covered with them. And it is in this moment, Job is lost everything, his reputation, all of his possessions, all of his children. There are nine graves, nine graves, all of those expectations, all of those desires, all of those hopes, all of those dreams buried. And Job is sitting, scraping his boils with broken pottery. That's where we pick up the story today. That's where we pick it up. So if you have your Bible and if you don't, mark it down. Don't take my word for it. Read the whole narrative. I'm only in chapter two. All that's happened and we're only at the middle of chapter two. Wow. And it says in verse nine, then his wife said to him. So Job's wife is one of those unnamed people in the Bible. And I, I believe it's not that she didn't have a name, right? We're not given her name. 
And I would like to suggest that potentially, maybe one of the reasons why is interject your name here. Imagine you're in her circumstance. Was it not enough that everything's gone? Is it not enough that you've buried all of the children and now you're sick, right? And she's facing this. Can you feel how raw her emotions are? Can you sense the pain? Do you think she can even breathe? Have you ever been in a circumstance where you just can't breathe? That's where she is. Her eyes are red and puffy. She's exhausted. She hasn't slept. She can't. She can't eat, right? Her world is spinning out of control, totally and completely out of control. Just a couple of days ago, everything was humming. And now this. And she goes to her husband. He says, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your God? Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and just die. Job's wife gets a lot of criticism. And I just want to say to you, we could stand to be a little bit more compassionate on this woman. These are words spoken in desperation. A woman at the end of it. A woman, everything has been squeezed out of her. She is so broken and so overwhelmed and so overcome. She's just like, dude, just. Have you ever said something that you really regretted in one of those moments? I really believe that's what we have here. I really believe that's what we have here. And we have it included in the Bible, the rawness of her emotions. And you and I serve a God who's big enough for our raw. Just curse God and die. You've got to understand the desperation with which she uttered those words. And here is Job's response. I think they were both a hot mess. I think she was angry and she was confused and she was overwhelmed and she was stressed and she was exhausted and all of those things. And so was Job. They were his kids. That was his house. Those were his camels. It's his reputation. These are boils are on his body. Listen to his response. You speak as one of those foolish women. Shall we only accept good from God and not adversity? In all this, God did not sin. I mean, Job did not sin with his lips. I believe that Job's wife's words were spoken through hot tears dripping off her chin. I think she could literally barely breathe. And I think Job's response was spoken through tears, abundant, through broken speech. Basically, I look, I don't know. I really wish we had more of Job's wife's story. But one of the dangers of doubt, because this was her moment of doubt. Where's God? Where is he? Where was he with the whirlwind and the kids? Where was he with the camels? Where was he with the dog? Where where was he? This was her moment. And the temptation was to curse God. The temptation was to curse God. 
Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. I want to turn now to Lot's wife. You remember Lot? A relative of Abraham, right? He settled in Sodom and Gomorrah. We know these towns well. They have quite a reputation even today as being bastions of sin and depravity, right? And Lot and his wife had settled there. And the angels come to Abraham and basically say, yeah, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's like, yeah, no, wait, just wait. So Lot's there. Um, Surely you wouldn't destroy it if you could find 50 good people there. And the angel goes, no, no, I wouldn't destroy it if I could find 50. And then Abraham's like, uh, hmm, surely you wouldn't destroy it if you could find 40? No, I wouldn't destroy it for 40. 30? No. Uh, 20? No. 10? No, I wouldn't destroy it for 10. You can hear almost Abraham calculating in his mind how many might constitute Lot's immediate family. Because it's shrinking, right? Abraham's no dummy. He knows the reputation of those two cities. And he knows his brother's there. And he doesn't want his brother to be destroyed. And so the angels go, right? And they go to Lot. Lot finds them and you don't want to stay out here. Read the whole thing. It's found in Genesis chapter 20. Go back and read the whole thing. And these angels like, dude, you got to get out of here. You need to leave now. And Lot, I mean, it actually says this in scripture, Lot hesitated. There's an angel telling you to get out of Dodge and you're like, well, you know, whoa. Lot hesitated. His wife hesitated. Look, they had become accustomed to ease. They had acclimated to evil. They dug in. They were in the boiling pot and they were enjoying it like a hot tub. They weren't paying attention to what was going on around them. They saw no need to flee. They saw no need. The angels, if you look at Genesis chapter 20 and you look in verse, let's see what this would be, 17, they are given three instructions by the angels. Number one, do not look behind you. In other words, get out and don't look back, right? Number one, don't look back. Number two, do not stay anywhere in the valley. In other words, get far away. Get out of here. Not like a few feet out of town. Like get out of the vicinity. Get out of here. 
Escape to the mountains. Escape to the mountains. Very clear instructions. And you know what? When you read it, you'll find that Lot goes, hey, no, yeah, can we just go over here? I'm thinking to myself, Lot, get out. Listen, listen. They were so hesitant, Lot and his wife, that the angels literally took them by the hand to get them out as the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was beginning to rain down. No kidding. And even when they were a far distance out, right? Lot, Lot's wife turned. She did exactly what the angels told her not to do. They said, don't look back. Don't look back. And she couldn't not look back. Why? Because her heart was back there. She had settled in to sinfulness. She had acclimated to evil. Her heart was back there. She loved the things of the world. Her heart was back there. And she turned. She turned. So the two dangers, Job's wife, is that we would curse God. We don't know that she did. I get that she suggested that her husband would. But again, I would suggest to you, I think that those were the desperate words from a desperate woman in a desperate circumstance. But Lot's wife wasn't just tempted to doubt that God had something better. Wasn't just tempted, right, to go forward and to get out and escape. She wasn't grateful. She didn't get it. No, she turned. And both of those are dangers of doubt, that we would curse God, that we would turn away. Because we know from Hebrews, one of the warnings in the book of Hebrews is apostasy. It's an intentional turning away from God. That's what apostasy is. And that's what we see in Lot's wife. And I just want to ask you today, we know from scripture, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. What do you treasure? What can you not turn away from? What in your life is in opposition to God that has your attention more than he does? That's dangerous. That's dangerous. What, in light of the story of Job's wife, what do you possess that if you no longer had could cause you to curse God? What? Your health? Your kids? Your house? Your stuff? What? Danger. Danger. Our third example today of the dangers of doubt. We had cursing, turning, and the third danger is going under. You know how much I love Peter. I talk about him all the time. In Matthew 14, we find Peter in the boat with all of his compadres out on the water, right? And Jesus walks on the water toward them. He's the Lord of creation. He could do that. And he walks on the water. And at first they're like, what is that? And he's like, fear not, it's me. And Peter, always Peter, Always Peter. I love how Peter is so willing to speak up. Now, he doesn't always speak up with the wisest words, 
But he's willing to say something when others are silent. And Peter says, if it's really you, call me to come. And Jesus simply says, come. Come, Peter. And Peter, I, I tell, when I told this story in the past, I don't believe Peter gingerly did anything. I don't think Peter cautiously did anything. I think I can make a case for that from Scripture. Peter was rash. Peter was all in. He was, you know, play hard or go home. This was Peter's mantra, right? I think he jumped out of the boat. You know, it's just my opinion. Later on, after Jesus is resurrected, we have an, an occasion where Jesus, where Peter jumps out of the boat and swims to shore, right? Because he gets that that's Jesus over there and he wants to be where Jesus is. And that's glorious. In this instance too, though, I don't see any hesitation on behalf of Peter. Jesus said, come, he's there, man. He gets, he jumps out of that boat and he's walking on water. Wow. And he's walking on water. And then the wind and the waves distract him from the face of Jesus. And he becomes fearful because it's windy and there are waves out here and I, this is water and I'm not supposed to be walking on it. And he stops looking at Jesus and he goes down. He goes down. You and I are in the same danger of going down when we take our eyes off of Jesus, when we allow doubts to distract us from Jesus, the divine son of God. We are in danger of going down. And yet in this beautiful moment, Peter is going down. You can read the whole story in Matthew 14. He's going down and Jesus extends his hand and pulls him up and they get into the boat. And he said, oh, why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? I, you could have walked on water, Peter. You took a few steps, but I mean, like you could have walked on water, Peter. Why did you doubt? Mom, why are you doubting? God says that he'll provide faith for us. He will strengthen our faith as he walks with us through difficult circumstances, moments of doubt. He desires to strengthen our faith just like he did Abraham's faith. Abraham was on a journey, became known as the father of the faithful. Not overnight, not instantly, not quickly, but through a process of circumstances, became known as the father of the faithful. When we have an opportunity to exercise our faith, we ought to take hold of the hand of Jesus, to focus on his face and not give in to the danger of cursing or turning or going down. This discussion, this study on the dangers of, faith, of, of doubt this whole issue of doubt, moms, we've got to face these points of doubt or they will, they will just become little things that nip at our heels. We've got to take hold of them, acknowledge them and admit that we need God to come and be our strength. And like Job, I know that my Redeemer lives and I will yet praise him. May that be our response to our moments of doubt when we're tempted to turn or to curse or when we feel ourselves going down. May we lift our eyes to Jesus, 
and take hold of his hand. Next time in our next session, we're going to look at doubts dare. What will we do in our moment? Will we dare to take God up on what invitations he extends to us? I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. I found myself on a ledge, three stories high, at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I'm a caring father, mentor, and friend in my new podcast, Billy and the Goat. I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.